Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, our verse for today is verse 15, but we will be reading uh, verses 1 through 15 for context. This is the word of the Lord. It says, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters or your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and then rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. That's where we will camp out today. You shall not steal. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, It's telling us that stealing is never okay. Uh, It is unlawful, it is hurtful, and it's always sinful. To steal means to secretly deceitfully, greedily, or forcibly take something that does not belong to you. We as Christians understand that everything anyone possesses has been given to them by God. Let me say that again. Everything anyone possesses has been given to them by God, which means that what God has given someone, you have no right to take away, not secretly, deceitfully, greedily, or forcibly. So with this verse, there is a, a lot uh, to uncover, a lot for the, that we can talk about. Uh, we're going to get into some of it. We won't be able to get into all of it. I actually, even this morning, had to take some out for the sake of time. I'm trying to ensure, you know, we get as, as much as we can focused and, and, and talk about all those things. But we could be here all day with just this single verse. So um, what, our inten- what my intention for us to do today is to lay out the principles behind what is forbidden by the Eighth Commandment, and what is required of us by the Eighth Commandment. Now, what is that, uh, where does that take us today? Well, it takes us to our sermon summary, which I believe they're going to put on the board. Um, but I'm going to read it anyways. Our, our sermon summary, if you're taking notes, is this. Not only are we commanded to not steal, but we are commanded to protect and properly steward the gifts that God has given to us and to our neighbor. Not only are we commanded to, uh, to not steal, but we are commanded to protect and properly steward the gifts that God has given us and our neighbor. So before we get into that and start unpacking all that, let us pray, ask God to bless his word and bless our time, and uh, we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again thanking you for this day. We ask that we are able to treat you and your name as holy. 
uh, as, as I preach this morning, as, as we as a congregation listen, that your words are, we ask that your words are proclaimed, that your sheep hear you and they follow you. Uh, Lord, I also pray where I may veer, uh, that those things are, are tossed by the wayside. But Lord, I pray that this is done, the preparation, the, the, the proclamation, that all of these things are done uh, in a fashion that seeks to honor you. I pray that you bless this time that we have together today. It's in your, names, uh, your son's name that we pray. Amen. So what is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? What, what, what violates this commandment? Well, like we said, it's stealing, right? It's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and it seems, seems simple. Uh, but just like with every other uh, commandment, there's, there, there's more implications of just me taking this pen and taking it home, right? Or me taking something and, and uh, that, that's not mine. But we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. So to steal, once again, to reiterate this point, it means to secretly deceitfully, greedily, or forcibly take something from someone that does not belong to you, or also to not give to someone something that belongs to them. So we're going to look at some of the obvious violations of this commandment, some of the uh, should be obvious, and then some of the ones that are not so obvious. Uh, so what are some of the obvious things that are, that are obvious, they're, they're blatantly stealing? Well, we have Man's law, right? We, we have shoplifting, robbery, extortion, burglary, identity theft, uh, pirating bootleg movies or music, uh, even if you pay for it, uh, unjust lawsuits, even kidnapping and, and any form of sexual assault would fall under this category. Uh, why is that? Because you are secretly, deceitfully, greedily or forcibly taking something that does not belong to you. So those are the obvious ones. What are the, the, the should be obvious ones, the ones that maybe give us some pause when we think about them? Uh, tax fraud, lying on our taxes, right? When we fill out our income tax forms, um, lying on those things is a form of theft. Romans 13, 7 says, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed we commit uh, when we commit tax fraud we are either secretly or deceitfully or even greedily keeping taxes away from whom taxes are owed now we may say well I'm getting taxed at a higher rate than I should be right it's it's unfair that I that I get taxed in this fashion well we have within the form of, of our law to be able to protest these things right if they're unfair or unjust just taxes we're able to to protest these things, but where we sin is when we deceitfully withhold our money or deceitfully withhold uh, our, our income on our tax forms. Those things are owed to the governing authority. God has placed these governing authorities over us. As Jesus said himself, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, another way that should be obvious that that can get a little uh, tricky for us is overselling a product, right? When we tend to think of uh, the, the negative connotation with used car salesmen is that they're selling you something that they're really not giving you, right? Proverbs 11.1 1 says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight, right? So selling products through false pretenses or through omitted information intentionally is also a form of theft. To intentionally mislead someone or to give counterfeit information is also a form of theft and is therefore a violation of the Eighth Commandment. 
Uh, another instance that should be obvious for us is living off of the government. Now, let me, let me read before, before some of us may get up in arms. Let me read scripture. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Right? This verse does not say if anyone is not able to work. Right? The key word here is willing, not able. Right? There's a big difference between being providentially hindered from going to work and you just not being willing to work. Right? It, we, we live in a, in, a, in a great land that provides these, uh, these provisions to those who need assistance. Right? To, to have Medicare, Medicaid, uh, welfare, uh, food stamps, all these things are nice when they're used within the framework of assistance. Right? Not to rest on those things, but to assist you to stay above water, to stay out of debt, to keep food on your table. These are great things for those things. But if we are living off of the government for the sake of not, we don't want to work, we don't want to provide for ourselves, I have the ability to, to just use all this money that comes from someone else, we are stealing from those who are willing to work uh, by our desire to not work and just uh, take from them. So the moral of that story is if you need help, get it. But if you are able to work, go work. Right? If not, we are stealing. This living off the government, taking assistance when it's not needed just because you can, uh, not being willing to work is another form of theft and is therefore a violation of the Eighth Commandment. So these are the things that are maybe kind of some people see one way or another. Uh, now, these, uh, these next two are maybe things that you may not consider. Um, we've seen the obvious, should be obvious, and now we have some that are, that are not so obvious. But once again, with the mindset of what stealing is, we have to keep that in mind to understand where this is coming from. If it's to secretly, deceitfully, greedily or forcibly take something that does not belong to you or to prevent someone else from having it, we have a couple other things that will be included. Greed and tardiness. I had a, I had a ton more, but for the sake of time, I had to get rid of a lot of them. But greed, greed is the opposite of generosity. Right. It, uh, 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, all kinds of evil. It does not seek the good of self or neighbor, but only seeks to hoard the gifts that God has given us to protect and properly steward. So if this is, if this is you, right, if you have a problem with greed or, or hoarding things that God has given, money has become your idol, and in your greed you have stolen the blessing that God has given you to bless someone else with. You have stolen the blessing that God has intended for you to give to someone else. This is therefore another violation of the Eighth Commandment. Now, we may think, well, I'm not being greedy. I got this or that. Or, or people that are really greedy, those are the ones that just buy a bunch of things and they just want to have nice things and, uh, and all of that. But really deep down at the heart of greed, it's, it's not because we want things what we are ultimately telling ourselves is that God will not provide for my needs. Ultimately, that's what greed is. I, I must provide for myself because God won't do it for me. I don't trust that he will be able to provide for my needs. So I have to take this into my own hands. So that's greed. That, that's that's an, another form of, of a violation of this commandment. But I think one that we may kind of uh, feel one or two ways about, and I'm free to have this discussion afterwards if I'm not clear enough with this, but tardiness. I believe tardiness is another thing that is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. I think it's, I think it's fairly clear. Uh, now, like I said, this is one of those things that is a gray area, and, and it goes back into the intents and the motives of the heart. 
Uh, it's not always going to be sinful, but this is an area where if we are intentionally uh, or maliciously being tardy for things, we're not showing up when we say we will, we are actually violating this commandment. Now, let me, let me, uh, let me explain why. Well, I guess, yeah, let me explain why. Um, think about it this way. If people, if, if there's a birthday party and you, you've been told, hey, the party's at three, you know, we're going we're gonna to do a surprise, right? We're going to do a surprise. Everyone's going to show up at 3. We're going to do this or that. Uh, we want everybody there at 3 to, to do this surprise by 3.30. You stroll in there around 3.30, 4 o'clock, right? You, you didn't agree. You didn't follow through with what you said you were. Uh, if, if there was a, uh, a dinner party you're supposed to meet at, y'all all have to be there to be seated. It's at 5 o'clock. You show up at 6, right? You're, what you're doing is you're stealing, from, you're stealing time and enjoyment from people, uh, you're, you're taking these things from them where if you had shown up, they would have uh, received these things. So the issue that we have there is if, if we, give, we give a time, right, we're, we may be, this isn't necessarily lying if, if we intended to be there at that time, but what we have ultimately done is in my preparation for getting there, I've decided I'm going to take away from your time to ensure that my comforts are met, right? If I need to fix my hair or put on more makeup or pick out the right outfit, whatever you decide to do, you have taken, right, that time that was deserved to them, right, you have told them you would show up at this time, you have taken from them, and you have given it to yourself for your own needs. So this would be another form of, of, uh, of stealing from someone, something that belonged to them. And, and the reason I could say that is because I believe if, we're on the, if the shoe's on the other foot, right, if we're the ones that are tardy, uh, we tend to want to make excuses for ourselves. Well, you know how I am. I, I like to do this or I like to do that. And, and sometimes, you know, we are providentially hindered. There's times where things just go wrong and we can't help ourselves, right? That's why I'm saying this is a gray area, but where is our heart, right? Am, am I putting my needs before others? Is that the intention when, I, when I'm showing up late? Because I have to have things a certain way. So I'm going to take from you to give to myself to ensure I'm in a right place to, when I get there. That, that's the issue, right? And, and so, like I said, from the other side of it, when you get stood up or someone shows up late and, and you, you have these feelings of, of anger or disappointment or being upset, those, those can be righteous feelings that you have because someone has taken something from you. They told you they would be there, and they've taken those things from you. They've taken the blessing of communion away from you, right? When we come together as a church uh, or we get together as a family to celebrate something, we want our family to be there. We want to all enjoy this together. And if we don't do that, if, if we don't show up when we say we will, we're actually taken away uh, from them. So this is another violation of, of this commandment. There's many more, but I don't have time to get into them. I wish I did. Uh, I, would sit here up, I would sit up here all day, right? But uh, we don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. You don't want that, right? Food's, food's going to be cooking back there, smelling good, and you don't want... Yeah, y'all are going to start wanting to, I'd be stealing from y'all, right? I'd be stealing time from y'all from eating. So uh, I got to practice what I preach. Uh, so, that, so that's enough about what's forbidden, right? We've talked about what's forbidden. Let's talk about what is required. Uh, as we've seen with these, uh, well, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me reiterate, to, to steal means to secretly, uh, deceitfully, greedily, or forcibly take something that does not belong to you. I, I, I want to keep reinforcing that, that this is what theft is. Not an, an honest transaction between two people or you agree to this or that. It, it's, it's doing it in a deceitful or manipulative way. So if that is a violation of the commandment, what is required of us to prevent those things from happening? Well, we are required, we are commanded to protect 
and properly steward or manage is another way to say that the gifts that God has given to us and to our neighbor. So if that is what we are called to do, how are we able to do that? How are we able to protect and properly steward the gifts that God has given us? Well, it, we can keep it within the framework of this message, and it's, it's going to be the opposite of being greedy and being tardy to things. Uh, so the opposite of those two would be being generous and working hard, right? Working hard to invest into people and, and do those types of things. So why do I say generous? Well, Scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And he has not blessed us to hoard the gifts that he's given, but to properly steward them and to use them for his glory. Right. So it's, I'm not saying that everything you have, you just give it away because God has given it to you properly stewarding the gifts that he has given. If you have the ability to, you should give to those in need. Right. That's that's being generous. You don't forsake your own needs, needs, not wants, your own needs for the sake of others. God has given you enough to do what he's called you to do. But if you are able, we are to be generous. Uh, Ephesians 4.28 kind of gives us a clear picture of why this commandment gives us this, this requirement. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Right? So he's telling them, don't steal, work hard, and give what you can. Right? Give what you are able to. In Acts 23, once again, this is Paul. He's talking to the elders of the, F, the church in Ephesus uh, before he leaves. He tells them this. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when we start talking about giving in church and, and giving and, and all that, we, you know, it's, it's money that we're typically talking about, right? That's kind of where our minds go, and, and people get a little uneasy when you start about get, talking about giving in the church and passing around multiple collection plates and, and, and all of that. You know, what are they doing with the money, what are, all that stuff? But what we must recognize and remember, you know, why money is one of the things that are specifically in, in, uh, in view here is because Jesus tells us himself, right, uh, that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Where our, where our treasures are, there our hearts will be also, which means that when we believe in something, we invest in it, our, our time, our talents, our treasures, right? When you believe in what you, when you, we, when I, I know when we, when I came to the church, when many of you came to this church, you wanted to be a part of it. You wanted to join in the fellowship and give of yourself to help build up God's church, right? You saw a need and you wanted to fill that need. Those are, those are godly desires. Those are the desires that he's put within your own heart to give of yourself. Like I said, times, talent, treasures of all these things. Something that we have to recognize is these lights, they don't stay on if we don't, if we don't give and, and pay the bills, right? The electric company doesn't just like us because we're a church. They, they, they provided a service and they deserve to be paid for it, right? But those bills don't get paid by themselves. Um, the AC, it's nice and cold in here. Well, at least up here it is, right? It's, it's cold, but we've had to replace two and a half units or three. I mean, it's, we've, just in the last two months, I think we've replaced at least two. And we've done a, three, okay. We've replaced three units. It's... There's a lot of stuff going on. We've had this uh, retextured. We got damage in the, in the hallway that needs to be fixed. There's multiple things going on in the church. The building is, is, is going to fall apart if we don't invest in it and, and repair it and do these types of things. We have to be giving 
to to be able to to stay within this uh, this this building. Um, something we must remember is that God uses people as a means to bless His people. Right? He's blessed some with with plenty to bless those with little or with none. Right? Those with little, we're still required. I'm including myself in there. Right? We're still required to give what we can. Right? No matter if you got a lot or a little, God loves a cheerful giver. He didn't say He loves the the millionaire who gives. All, all his money, anyone who gives, right? He, he, he's, he, we see the sacrificial servant's heart when, when we give of what we have. So the, some of the guidelines to kind of go within this with, with our generosity because we can get motivated to just give everything away and, and forsake our own needs. What we must remember is we, we're called to be good stewards of everything that we have, right? And, and how we give, uh, whether it be financially or our time or our, our talents, there are some guidelines that we must give within uh, so we don't, you know, damage or, or be, a, be a bad witness uh, with what we, what we do have. <clears throat> the, the way we do that is, is four things. Uh, when we give, to be generous, um, or when we give, we should do it voluntarily, right? It should be done not under compulsion. We're not just doing it because we have to. It should be done cheerfully or in faith, right? I, trust, I thank God that he's given me these things, so I'm going give, to give back. Uh, we do so generously, which is in love. I, I seek to give, to give to others, to do good for others. And we do it secretively, right? We do it not to be seen by man, right? We don't need to be giving money and, and like just broadcasting what I've given, right? We're going to know if you fill out a form as they take the money and they're going to know who's giving it, right? That, that's, if, if that's the extent of who sees what you've given, and that's all, that you're just giving to give, your heart's in the right place, right? But if you're giving to, to be known, that's where we have a problem. So a good steward, as he gives, he gives voluntarily, cheerfully, generously, and secretively. He does so in a fashion that he's seeking to please God with what he does. Now, as we kind of talk about Ephesians 4.28, about working hard with your hands and giving generously, this is the second part of, of how we properly protect and steward. We, we work hard, right? We are called to work hard. Scripture tells us whether in word or deed, we are to do all things in the name of the Lord. Right? So what has God given you? Right? Where you are today, what has God given you? Has he given you a family, a career, uh, children, a spouse, uh, elderly parents who are now living with you? What has God given you within your realm of influence? Uh, whatever he's given, you are called to work diligently to see that their needs are being met and that you are fulfilling your, your God-given role to them. Right? That's how you properly steward the things that God has given you and protect them. Right? You give of yourself and you protect what God has given. When you don't do these things, when you check out when you get home, when you just turn the TV on and you silence everything else around you and people know that you're unavailable, you are stealing from them the time that God has given you to be a blessing to those within your, your household. We are called to invest well in, the, in people. We are not to be lazy. We are to cherish all that God has given us as gifts from him. He is, he is the God who is, he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And from him, there is no shadow or variation due to change, right? He has given us everything that we have for a purpose. And we are called to properly protect and steward those things that he has given us.
And, and when we work hard, the, the idea of us working hard with our time, our talents, our treasures is to glorify God in, in all that we do, right? Are we glorifying God with what we have and what we have to give? That is the, that's, the, that's the standard for the answer, right? It doesn't matter if one person is able to, to produce a hundredfold of fruit with what they've been given, and you're only able to produce 30. God is seeking faithful worshipers of him. That, that's what he's seeking, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. I, I have been given this, this amount, and I'm going to give of it. I'm going to be faithful with what he's given me. Right, that is what God has called us to. Ephesians 2.10 even tells us that the good works that we're able to do, even the fact that we are able to do good works, is because God has prepared them beforehand for us to walk in. Right, so everything that God has called you to, he's already prepared you for those things. You're responsible for being obedient and giving and doing those things that he has called you to walk in. So in closing... A lot has been said about what is forbidden and what's, uh, what's been required. I wish I, I wish I had more time to share more, but I am not stealing your time. Amen, right? Amen. Hey, I understand. Uh, I can be long-winded, right? But what, why I say that is because there's a lot of do's and don'ts when it comes to the Ten Commandments. There are tons of them. There's tons of commands to stay away from this and to do these things, to, to do these things and to not do those, right? There, there's, a, there's a lot of them. Uh, but what we must remember is that all of this that is being said, all that you read, everything about this life is pointless if your end goal is to be a, a more moral person. If your intention is to, to, to just to do better, you just want to do better, that, that's your end goal. Um, the reason I say that is because the Christian life, right, for us who have placed our faith in Christ and his finished works, ultimately... We don't do these things to, to gain a greater morality. Right? Any religion can do that. Any false religion can do that. You can go to any religion and they're going to give you a list of do's and don'ts and you follow those things. And according to their understanding, that's going to attain salvation or some greater form of enlightenment. Uh, but that's not the Christian life. We don't just do things uh, to, to be more moral or, or to look good in the sight of people. What I mean is that these commandments that we've been given in Scripture are not a, a checklist for us to sign off and say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing all these things, or I'm doing most of them. Or I can do most of these things well, so I think I'm in a good place. I got a passing score. Uh, I got 7 out of 10 right, so you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I skimmed the, the, the passing score, so I'm good. But what Scripture tells us, if, if Scripture is, is our rule of faith, it gives us the standard for what is what is good and what is not good, what is salvation, what is not. James 2.10 tells us, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Right. So if we keep nine commandments well and we fail at one of them, we've broken all of them because all of the commandments are a reflection of God's character. Right? He has called us to live in this way, a way that is holy, and if we break one of them, it, it violates all of them. You can't... You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and uh, commit adultery or lie or, or any of these things and think that, that you're okay because you've broken those, you've broken them. You've broken all of them by breaking one. So what, why I say that is because all of us on our own are guilty before God and owe him our life. All of us are, are sinners and, and the wages of sin is death. That's where we stand in and of ourselves, every last one of them, my children, 
uh, our, all of us, every last one of us, whoever is born, whoever has been conceived, all of us stand guilty before God uh, because we were, we were born in Adam. Adam. Adam sinned first and in him we sinned. That's what Romans 5.12 says us, tells us. So all of us are naturally, that, that's where we are. We, we're a broken, fallen human flesh. Uh, as as uh, I've heard R.C. Sproul say, we don't, we don't, uh, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners, right? That, that, that's who we are. That's where our natural flesh is. We have a bent towards sin. That's all of us. So if that's all of us, um, if, if that's where it ended, if, if us keeping the law was, was the way to salvation, then we'd all be hopeless. We, it, it, there would be no hope for any of us because none of us can keep all the law. The second we break one of them, the second we do not love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind in all things and love our neighbors as ourselves, we've broken all the commandments. We are guilty as charged. And God is a righteous judge, and, and that's what he has told us through his word. But there's, there's good news, right? There's good news. It doesn't stop there. The good news is that Jesus Christ came and lived that life that we couldn't, right? Sinless, perfect being. Uh, he was tempted in every way as we were, but was without sin. He died the death that we deserved, right? And in him, we have salvation, right? All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But if we seek to try to live by this law and gain some type of salvation on our, on our own, we will be judged according to Christ's righteousness. And I don't think any of us can stand when we think about his righteousness to our filthy rags, is what Isaiah tells us. So I want to close with this passage of scripture. Because it talks about the thief, and it talks about Christ, talks about salvation. It, it, it encapsulates our sermon as a whole. So I want to read from John chapter 10, verses 10 through 18, and then also verses 27 through 30. John chapter 10, verses 10 through 18, and also verses 27 through 30. Starting in verse 10 here in John 10, it says this. The thief, speaking of Satan, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. I, speaking of Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice." So there, there, I will be one, there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Then verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one.
Let's pray.